hit podcast. That's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news. We underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process. Yes, you, because we got Chris and Andrew to bless you. With the best features, best stories. We diving deep like a Lambo leak. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring. We all point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the dog pound. In the cold, get a gold brown. Sit back and race the cat. We start this show like right now. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The Underdog. I'm Chris Horwardale, joined as always by Anshu Kana. Anshu! Chris! How you doing? I'm doing okay, how are you? I'm good, happy Bobby Bonilla Day to you, my friend. <laughs> that man got paid. Oh my god, yeah, it's, it's crazy. For for people who don't know this story, and it's it's even weirder than we think it is, the Mets made the decision to buy Bobby Bonilla out of the last year of his contract. That contract was going to pay him $5.9 million. Instead, they made the agreement that starting uh, in 2011, they would pay him $1.2 million for 25 years. And it, al- it also included a 8% interest in, in all of it. And, th- you know, this is double bad luck for the Mets, right? Because... It's a stupid deal in the first place, but the Mets were make they made this deal thinking that they were going to have giant profits from um, a, a, a investment plan that they were then part of, and that the man investing their money was a gentleman by the name of Bernie Madoff. Ooh. So, That's a swing and a miss. <laughs> yeah, so lost all of their money, and now they're paying Bobby Bonilla something like you know what fifty million dollars. For, mm-hmm. instead of paying him 5.9 and you know the funny thing is bobby Benitez has got two of these deals he has another deal with the orioles that pays him five hundred thousand dollars a year for 25 years nobody talks about that that started in 2004 the mets oh, also man. pay brett saberhagen two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year for 25 years starting in 2004 uh scherzer gets 100 well, we know the deal he negotiated last year two years ago uh, Manny mm-hmm. Ramirez gets 24.2 million from the Red Sox through 2026. There's, this is not just Benia, but Benia is certainly the uh, the biggest case. It's, and it's crazy that they thought, oh, we're gonna be we're gonna be so flush with Bernie Madoff money, we'll give this guy 50 million dollars instead of six. <laughs> so so hilarious. I love that it gets celebrated every year. A couple of my buddies and I have a inside running joke about it as well. But it's I you know, the other part of this is especially this year, mm. like because of the way that salaries are being prorated, mm-hmm. uh, that it gets inflated even more. So it's like really like a four million dollar hit compared to what other players are getting this year, which is just so absurd. So that's yeah. great. Just in terms of baseball players, he's making more than guys like Dansby Swanson, Kenta Maeda, Byron Buxton, Mitch Moreland, Michael Waka, Hunter Pence, Michael Fulmer, uh, Tommy Canale, and um, and uh, Gio Urshela. Gio Urshela. Urshela. <laughs> Have, uh, you know, it's impressive that he's making more than the guy whose name you can't, <laughs> don't know. That's true. It is. Uh, no, yeah, really ran into a uh, ran into a tr- some trouble there at the end. <laughs> But yeah, absolutely crazy. Like the guys who are making the guys who are making the most similar to uh to Benia this year, uh Luke Jackson is making one point one four million to play baseball. Mm-hmm. Pedro Strop is making one point one four and uh, and Troy Walters making one point one nine. So wow. Benia's got a better deal than any of those guys. Hey, there you go. I yeah, that's I, it makes it's so funny that it's the Mets too. Obviously, as yeah. the major contributor, I mean, it's just so perfect. So, congrats to Benia. He's I'm I'm sure that money's going to a good place. Yeah, he's going to be being paid until he is uh, 72 years old. He'll be paid through 2035. <laughs> oh my god! And he, and let's not <laughs> let's not forget this guy last played in the major leagues in 1999. Jeez. Yeah, I mean. Well, There's a the whole bunch of players who are still playing right now that don't even know who that is. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Oh no, a bunch of there. You had guys getting drafted this year. <laughs> we have a peaceful background music for the show this week. Got uh, guys getting drafted this year who weren't even alive when Benia last played baseball. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's it's it's wild. I mean, a lot of them haven't even heard of him, let alone were alive. So yeah, that's. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's unfortunate, and uh, again, especially because of the context of this specific year, it's you know it's heightened how much what it means. And um, on the day that spring training opens, I mean, it's pretty mm-hmm. or sorry, summer training, I guess, opens. Yeah. It's pretty uh, pretty wild. How confident are you that we're going to have baseball? <sighs> well. I'm pretty confident we're going to have it. I'm not confident we're going to see it through to the end. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of where you're at too? I mean, I think that, I think we'll get there. Um, but you know, there are, we're seeing the quick and rapid, and, you know, really rapid response here in several of the states that we were expecting to see games um, where, you know, the teams aren't being able to play. And I, I or I mean, you know, their, their restrictions are back in place in terms of, eat it, uh, you know, restaurants mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And then I, I mean, on top of that, um, you know, there's, there's the possibility, like, I just don't think logistically that baseball is prepared for something like this, especially with how hasty the negotiations were at the end of the deal. Yeah. So, yeah. I saw, you know, with you in Illinois, you're one of, I believe 12 States that are still trending downwards here in California. We're trending upwards and we just, uh, scaled back our reopening plans. Thank God. And, mm-hmm. and made so. mask mask wearing uh, mandatory in all public uh, public places. So we we shall see. Uh, it's good to take measures against it, but man, this was we were not ready to reopen this planet. Yeah, <laughs> we certainly were not. That's uh, I mean this country for sure. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean we're. We're in a tough spot right now. Uh, it's good that people are reacting quickly, not just assuming, or at least in some jurisdictions, that there are responses. But, you know, it's it's definitely not going great, I would say. Um, it seemed, I, and I want to say that you and I would like to think I was also kind of like hesitant about the way things are moving so fast in mm-hmm. terms of uh, immediately seeing the trends sort of slowly trickle downwards and then immediately jumping back into allowing things to happen um, for just for economic purposes. And, um, you know, it's it's definitely looking like I don't know. I, I know Illinois is trending downwards. I'm not super confident that that trend is going to hold up, though. So hopefully uh, things sort of plateau again and, and trend back the right way. And we never see that in this state or, or any of the other ones that are doing well. But, you know, it's. It's definitely daunting right now. Um, you know, can't say it was so totally unpredictable for sure, but it definitely doesn't look great. Well, no, and that's the unfortunate reality of these states that are trending downwards is eventually a comfort level sets in and people start to act carelessly. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think that I think it's, you know, it kind of harkens back to the very beginning of this whole thing where it was so hard for Americans to believe what was happening because you know we haven't really seen something like this hit here before yeah um you know it's hit other places that we as americans like to think aren't as sophisticated as Mm us um but then you know when it hit and the response it seemed like things were moving in a positive direction there were so many americans that were so quick to say oh you know everything's fine we overreacted this was never a real thing and now we're seeing this quote-unquote second wave hit way earlier than it should have. And really it was never the end of the first wave. And so, yeah, I mean, I think I I just, and you know, like just bringing it to a sports perspective, we like, we said all along that basketball and baseball specifically had the opportunity to be kind of like a bastion in terms of leading, you know, being, you know, a place of, I don't know, of, you know, a retreat from real, from reality. It rested. Thank you. Something with an RE. And but like it, you know, it because of the delays and, you know, people started to think are are starting to think about this in the context of, oh, we're going to get back to games the way they were to where there are fans in the stadiums and that sort of thing. And like we aren't even close to that. I mean, we're talking about the possibility that a season that was just agreed upon last week is now threatening to not even happen Mm -hmm. three weeks from now. So that's you know, that's a horrible sign. Yeah, and I hate to be doom and gloomy, but people like to point to, okay, so positive tests are trending upwards because we have more testing going on right now. And there is some truth to that. But the people who make that argument also suggest that deaths are trending downward. 
And that's not the case anymore, unfortunately. We hit kind of a, uh, a stagnant point about a week ago when we were sitting in the, you know, the low sixes. And over the last five, six, seven days, we've trended upwards in deaths every single day, only by a couple, but still trending upwards. Mm-hmm. So we can't even point to that like, okay, testing is up, but deaths are down anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have, yeah. we have no, flattened I... the curve of stopping people dying from coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, that's and I mean, that's like a pretty low bar. I, I Yeah, it's not great. It's not a good situation. It's not led by someone who is taking this nearly as seriously as he and his what? people should. And I just, you know, it's it's a bad it's a bad thing all around. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, the official. Oh God, I hate that there is a a COVID nineteen health data dot org website now, but <laughs> but this is a thing that exists, and uh, yep. it they have numbers for actual for easing of restrictions and for universal mask wearing, and it just it seems so obvious to me, despite what people in Florida may think that we just need to have universal mask wearing absolutely everywhere to to combat this thing. The CDC numbers suggest that, you know, we start to see a giant trend almost immediately. By August 1st, we're down 375 deaths a day from, you know, 650 now. By September 1st, that number is 150 in the United States. By October, you know, 125 this is where we need to be. I, I know mm-hmm. that everyone wants their personal freedoms, and that's great, but we have to be smart, not continue to be stupid. It's it's so funny because I know I remember very vividly that amongst the first few shows, we kept saying, like, just be smart, stay home, and we'll yeah. get football. Like, if you want football, we'll get it. And, and it's so funny that it's taken until this week for something like that to kind of go viral. Um, and you're seeing like, if you want this, then you need to do this. And it's, it's like, if you want football, you know, you need to wear a mask. And I mean, wearing a mask is essentially the equivalent, right. Of basically staying home for better or for worse. It's, it's as close as you're going to get. I mean, it's definitely not perfect, but it's going to, it's going to flatten the curve in a major way. And I think that that's something people can wrap their head around rather than like a true quarantine, um, but it's still just so ridiculous that like that the the what's associated with wearing a mask is basically fear, right? Or like yeah, <laughs> like just call well, it as being like an immigrant, and it's just um, crazy to me that that's the way it is. I think, and I don't want this to turn political, but I think the biggest issue that we're running into is our leadership is demonizing mask wearing because, quite frankly. You know, the images of our leadership right now wearing masks are going to be how this administration is remembered. And I think they're very aware of that. Mm, That's interesting. I haven't thought about it that way. I thought of it. I'm I'm thinking about it more from like the perspective that their constituents are often, you know, they find that sort of soft. And I mean, I I I don't know. I don't know if I get that or not. I, I understand the perspective. I don't agree with it, you know, and so. And I mean, like, let's just call it what it is. Even like Fauci's up there, he's not rocking the mask either. And I think that that's that's a problem. Like, I mean, it really is a problem that yeah. even our and and let's just take it another step. Like, there are other there. Are, it's not even party specific. I think there are people that feel like they are they're doing such a good job of taking care of themselves that they don't need to wear a mask or they don't need to stay at home. And mm-hmm. I I do think that um you know what you see on TV is often the way that you act or like what you feel like is oh, yeah. normal behavior. And, um, you know, as news people start going back to the studios and aren't wearing masks and, you know, as we see politicians not wearing them, I mean this, and again, like bringing it full circle, like if we don't see our athletes wearing masks outside of the context of the games that they play and Candidly, like they're going to be playing games, no mask, you know, basically right up into each other, especially basketball. Mm-hmm. That's that's sending a very interesting message. And, and you know, I think it sort of dilutes what, what they're trying to have happen at the top, like with Adam Silver and those guys. To some extent, I, I agree with you. I do think basketball is less guilty of that than, say, baseball or fo- especially football. 
where because mm-hmm. basketball at least has a plan to contain everyone in one you know in one geographic location. Totally, you know, totally. Is it is it foolproof? Absolutely not. But there's a plan, and the plan at least makes sense, and people are ba- you know are backing it. Smart people are backing it. Whereas mm-hmm. football and baseball, you're, we're going to be traveling all across the country. We're, it's going to be basically life as normal for a lot of these teams. Although we saw yesterday that some teams are considering flying into and out of opposing uh, cities on game day, which good, oh, good yeah. luck. But <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it's a great idea. I don't know how it's actually going to work in reality with jet lag and stuff like that, but it's scary. You know, I just, uh, let's just not be stupid so we can have nice things again. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's the thing though. Like it, it's always been about sacrifice and not getting the immediate gain of that sacrifice is hard for yeah. people to wrap their head around, especially at a macro level. And, you know, it's just, Unfortunately, it's going to take us like losing something. And I mean, I do think that like losing sports for a while, at least for, you know, the people I associate with a lot was a way to change the perspective a little bit. But now that we're getting them back, like I do think that we're starting to see, you know, and, and it's not just sports. It's like getting back to getting the stuff that you want. Like we're, it's like we're finding way shortcuts around the actual solution, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, we can o- open up patio bars oh we can pretty much just go in anywhere we want for restaurant you know like it's basically aren't haven't lost a whole lot now like at this point in terms of like style of life and i think that that's been it's been something that's tough for people to wrap their heads around a little bit well that's also geo-specific too for you true, guys very true. that is your case our our reality here is is not that bars are completely closed again well Bars are mandated to be closed in seven counties and encouraged to be closed in most of the other counties. And those mm-hmm. counties are closing the bars, for the record. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we don't have we don't have dine-in food at this point. You know, we all we have is takeout. So yeah. I do think that is very different. Well, that's good. <laughs> and it's funny as a, I literally just got a message uh, saying that. Governor Newsom announced new restrictions in Santa Clara, Contra Costa, and 17 other counties just now, Contra Costa being the county that I'm in. So hmm. that's funny timing. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, at least I'm happy we're taking it seriously. You know, it's always going to be hard for a place like – especially hard for Florida with their leadership. But it's for any like, you know, any tourist destination kind of city, any place like that, totally. or, or even any city where there's a giant density in population – but yeah, the the Californias, the Floridas, the, your travel destinations are always going to have a harder time than Wyoming or Montana or something like that. And no offense to those beautiful states, it's just that people aren't flocking there in the summer. Right. Well, they're just not as densely populated, as you say. There aren't that many people traveling and meeting with other people, which is how we know this stuff spreads. And right. so yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It's it's tough though. But again, like I think that the NBA still, you know, with despite all that has an amazing opportunity to kind of like set the tone for how the rest of the country views this stuff, because mm-hmm. all eyes are going to be on the NBA and it's just a great chance, you know, to like to, you know, it, whether it's live or, you know, not the stuff that's captured on camera, like Disney world is going to be open, you know, Orlando's going to be opened up yeah. in, in, to some extent. We'll see. And we'll see. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, there's, We've heard, you know, today there's stuff about the MLS bubble and, that, and you know, the possibility that of infections within it. I think that, you know, that's a risk. I think the NBA is definitely a, a very, despite the fact that I trust their leadership the most of any league, yeah. um, I have probably the most concern that the logistics are going to be tricky to navigate. Well, and it's funny that you say the logistics are tricky to navigate when the logis- these are the logistics that make the most sense in order right. to actually have sports played. Um, I, it's mm-hmm. going to be interesting. Good and you point. say you say it's uh, and justifiably you say it, it's kind of I don't know somewhat counterproductive to see life as so- pseudo normal in with the NBA playing games. But I don't know that that is necessarily the case. But because if we remember. Only only the guys in that first row don't have to wear masks. The head coach is allowed to, doesn't have to. Everybody, every coach in that second row has to wear a mask. 
you know, it's going to be interesting to see if the broadcasters are wearing masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, I don't know, probably not. Yeah, mm-hmm. just because there we will get into an audio quality issue, and they're talking a lot. Uh, I don't know. I wonder if they won't be sitting next to each other. Like, it, you know, there's not going to be a ton of people in the stands or anything. Like, they yeah. could easily just not sit next to each other. Because I think that the reason for that is generally, I mean, obviously there's a couple of reasons, but part of that is because space is at a premium in mm-hmm. an NBA stadium or in any basketball stadium. So, you know, there's really nothing that, you know, says that they need to be right up shoulder to shoulder with each other. And I think that that's hilarious. Is your expectation that announcers will be at courtside? Oh, that's a good question. Because, would, you know, uh, we, we see that both ways. We see a lot of national broadcasts, the guys are always courtside. But if you look at, like, the regional broadcast, the the Comcast stuff and all that, and Comcast whatever stuff, they're mm-hmm. typically not at courtside. Yeah. Um, I don't know the exact logistics of the gym. I know that Adam Silver said that there are going to be some interesting different angles, mm-hmm. camera-wise and that sort of thing. And I wonder if that will create that kind of atmosphere as well. But... Um, you know, I, I mean, I don't really see a problem either way, as long as the two and look, they're basically in a bubble as it is. So if they feel like they can or need to sit next to each other, I don't really have a huge problem with it. it yeah. It's just, you know, like optics. I would guess. Yeah, it's the exactly. It's the optics. So I think that they'll be courtside, but a little bit distant. And I don't see them wearing masks unless maybe they're on screen. Um, just from like an audio quality perspective. But yeah, I, I think that all that stuff is interesting. But again, to your point, and this is kind of what I was trying to say is like, I like they have a great chance to just optically send a bunch of good messages. Yeah. And I, I do expect them to do that. Well, and, and they're going to do that. It's just a matter of are they going to do that re the health issue? We know the NBA, right. the NBA is uh, they're going to have Black Lives Matter printed on the court and they're allowing social messages, although not the names of deceased, uh, you know, just deceased people. And let's leave it at that at um, mm. at on jerseys at this point mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. news just came out today. Also, you know, it's going to be interesting if the announcers are at half court. Will they be as enthusiastic as they would be in a regular game? Because it's going to be weird if there are you know only a handful of people in the arena and you have a guy 20 feet away from the action yelling and screaming when nobody else is making noise. <laughs> kind of like a golf situation. Yeah. Can you imagine yeah. Kevin Harlan doing a game at, at midcourt and just well, screaming we every bucket? Right. I bet he specifically would, yes. Um, that is going to be really interesting, though. Uh, Players just looking over at him. <laughs> I think I we've talked about this before, but I think that there's going to be more it's going to be more like back and forth. There's going to be a little more noise than I think, you know, mm-hmm. maybe it's not going to be like a library in there or like an no. open gym. You know, there's going to be a lot of talking. There's going to be a lot of, you know, trash talking, frankly, and coaches are going to be yelling at their players. And I do think that there will be because of the way that the, you know, the bench is going to be, you know, going crazy generally, I would expect. I do think that there will be a good amount of enthusiasm. And I'm sure, you know, ESPN and TNT have to be training those guys to try to bring the noise because even though the audience may not be visible, that audience that's going to be watching is going to be more than what normally is watching those games. Oh, you know? absolutely. Just, so they, they need to bring that sort of enthusiasm, I think. Well, and this is the way I imagine they're they're selling it to their ad, their advertising partners in that, look, we expect X amount of viewers in a regular season. Now every single game is going to be a factor of two or you know 1.5 or two of that. Totally, absolutely. I I mean I I think it's sort of akin to like imagine being you know whatever team trying to close out a championship on the road where the you know and it's a blowout. I mean. I, or maybe not a blowout, but you know, the, the whatever the road team is about to win a title. I think mm-hmm. you still have to, as an announcer, you have a responsibility to raise your level to what the circumstances are. Sure. So they're professionals; they should be able to pull that off. Well, some more breaking news: the Mexican Baseball League has just announced that due to the coronavirus pandemic, they will not be playing baseball this year. Wow, that's pretty big because you know obviously proximity to Texas and California yeah. and Arizona. And, you know, I, yeah, 
I think that the reason why I say that in basketball, even though it's much better thought out and the logistics have been meticulously considered, I think, um, you know, is for whatever reason to me a little more daunting than baseball is just because of the various cities that baseball is in and the ability to do kind of like what the NHL is talking about, which is worst comes to worst. And I, I again, I don't think baseball has contemplated this, but I could see them moving quickly to do it, you know going towards the jurisdictions, the areas where, you know, the fl- curve has been flattened, relatively mm-hmm. speaking. And, you know, and I think that because the N- NBA has put all its eggs in this Orlando basket, it leaves itself a little bit vulnerable because, you know, if one egg is spoiled or, you know, a few eggs are spoiled, they can ruin the whole match so easily. The flip side of that is I don't know how excited some of these governors would be who have done great jobs in their states to welcome in the potential for new cases. Mm, I think it's, it's a double edged sword. It's a, that's a really interesting conversation because I, I agree that um, like from a statistic health statistics perspective, it's great, but this is a chance to, if you're, you know, I don't know, whoever say Pritzker in Illinois, say, you know, you have the opportunity to, Manfred comes to you and says, hey, we want to play all our games in some combination of Wrigley and guaranteed right field and, Mm. you know, maybe Miller Park and maybe some places a little south. And, um, you know, it's it would be hard to turn that down from an economic perspective, because I would think that it's just a massive boon to the state to be able to bring that in. And then you can also, you know, these governors have to be confident and say, yeah, look, the deal is, yeah, it might it, it might bring in some spread but we feel so good about the infrastructure we've laid out that we we feel like we can contain it which is i i think certainly pretty foolish because i i just i think it's going to be tough for any one place to do it you're well you're absolutely right and you know on that point the nba is spending upwards of 150 million dollars on the the disney bubble so yeah. there's certainly going to be money coming in but you know in an ideal world and granted this is a, an ideal world for playing the sport not for the actual athletes participating you're mm-hmm. going to go and you know you're going to stick everybody out in the middle of rural Wyoming or Montana or something like that where there is very little chance to spread the virus and also quite frankly very little reason to leave the campus very true. It was interesting. I was watching uh, one of these ESPN shows yesterday, and one of the guys talking heads was talking about how they wanted to play in Vegas. It oh, sounded God, like, so and I mean, I'm sure the players want to do yeah. that, but like, you know, you have to find a way to bridge the gap between okay, we can't be somewhere so isolated that it's you know basketball island or whatever. Yeah, which but sounds awesome, time, by the way. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I would I would love to be there, but you know. Or maybe not. I don't know. But yeah. yeah, like at the same time, you you can't be super isolated, but you you can also, you know, be in the middle of a city where there's going to be a lot of exposure. And so finding a way to bridge, like I think they've done. Again, I have no doubt that they thought of, you know, they they uncovered a bunch of different rocks and came up with this. And mm-hmm. you know, it's the right mix of all the stuff we're talking about, as well as you know. You're basically at Disney, which is ESPN, which is helpful for a variety of reasons, too. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, in terms of partnerships and I like but at the same time, I, I I don't know. I'm becoming increasingly pessimistic that that was that, that that's going to end up looking like the right call at the end. Well, we shall see. So uh, you're against my plan of sticking everybody in Wyoming and there are six people per square <laughs> mile. I think that's a great idea. I mean, I think that that's probably the best idea if we actually wanted basketball, either there or like, you know, Serbia or something or, you know, <laughs> just, just the, somewhere in the middle of Sorry, the freezing no. forest. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, basketball doesn't get played outside. Ala- like, Alaska you, then. If, Alaska's 1.3 people per square mile. Oh, perfect. There you go. And that's, throw, throw. that's United States. We yeah. Don't, we don't hey, have to send them to Russia or something. Okay, like fair that. enough. I, I mean, I just thought of the most remote, um, <laughs> like the place with the least likelihood of the players leaving their homes or the gym, you know, because that would be I think that's like the ideal ideal if you're if you care absolutely zero about the players. Um, and that's like where you have the best likelihood of seeing the thing through to the end. And I, I mean, I, I think I'm at the point now where I'm just expecting every single player to get the virus. And yeah. so like, 
it's a matter of when, not if. And you just hope that we don't get to playoff time and we've got, you know, we lose. And it's not even like LeBron alone because LeBron is LeBron and that's obviously the first person you think of. But, like, you know, say you lose, like, I don't know, someone important like Luca or someone like that in the mm-hmm. middle of a first-round series. And now, you know, that series is just trash. How about Giannis? And, yeah, I mean, obviously Giannis is, is of course, one of the, <laughs> the top three or four guys. But, like, you know, like it just ruins, like, an entire second-round series and suddenly, mm-hmm. like, a seven seed is, you know – like basically buyed into the finals or the East final, the conference finals. I think that that's certainly something that could happen. Well, we are going to see one team basically have a first round buy, but we're going to talk about that in the second half of the show. I have found the place for basketball Island on Shukana, the the volcanic Island of Tristan de Kuna in the South Atlantic boasts a population of 258 people and only nine different last names. The locals speak English uh, but have also invented their own dialect with words derived from Scottish, English, St. Helian, uh, South African, American, Dutch, it's a, it's a hodgepodge, Italian, mm. Irish, and uh, reflective of the various places of their origin. South Africa is the nearest country to this British overseas territory. Uh, mm. But to get there, you have to time your visit to one of the three ships that makes nine trips from Cape Town each year that journey by ship is seventeen hundred miles. No. Oh. Okay, <laughs> so, so there are there they got they got to get going. Issues. Yeah, they may need to make a move on on your plan <laughs> there, but uh, I mean, <laughs> that's what it would take. I think like for to be just almost foolproof. Um, that being said, I'm I'm interested to get your perspective. You, you asked about baseball. Are we going to get baseball? I I think the one that's much risky, much more at risk, is basketball. Do you agree with that? And what chances do you put at? A, that we see basketball start, and B, that we see it finish. Well, Ashikana, I'm I'm really glad you asked me that, and I'm excited to talk about that after a quick break. We'll be right back. Wow. Hey, guys, it's Chris, and as of 12.01 this morning, we find ourselves in the month of July, and that is the first month we're going to have sports since March. But they're not here yet, and you might be worried about that, wondering what to do to fill your time. Well, I'm here to tell you that there is no shortage of action going on with our exclusive partner, Bet Online. While the big guys are still coming soon, we do have the UFC, we have boxing, NASCAR, and soccer leading the way, and Bet Online has all the best odds and lines for the upcoming games and matches. But do you want more than that? Well, Bet Online has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every single day live for you to check out but perhaps you're looking for something other than sports well bet online also has hundreds of live casino games poker tournaments and all the best props in the business visit betonline.ag or use your mobile device and join now to receive the new welcome bonus using the promo code podcast one p-o-d-c-a-s-t-o-n-e and start playing today bet online your online wagering experts All right, Anshu, we're back. You posed the question, what will basketball look like? I think, I think they're going to start on time. I do, although we're starting to see some feed, uh, you know, some, uh, some, um, some issues arisen from some of the players who think maybe this isn't the greatest idea. Ben Simmons himself retweeted or liked, I forget which, a tweet that said basketball should delay their season again. And I, I, I certainly mm. see where they're coming from. I do think, you know, that we're going to have the season start. Um, everybody is at their facilities now getting ready. Philadelphia had everybody tested. There were no positive cases. And we also learned that the uh, the positive cases that were reported in March appear to have been front office personnel. So it, it seems like for better or worse, and honestly maybe worse given potential mm-hmm. immunities through antibodies, no 76er is tested positive for coronavirus. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think we're going to get there. I really do. And it's once we get there, I think we're going to finish short of mass infection. I, I'm not as confident as you are that we're going to see this giant spread because at the end of the day, you know, while these guys are young and healthy, nobody wants to get this. And you can look at somebody like Rudy Gobert, who these guys are going to see every single day as a cautionary tale, because three and a half months after getting it, Gobert still can't smell. 
Like, mm-hmm. it's not like there have been no issues whatsoever from younger, healthier people. I think there's still going to be a natural timidness and an attempt, even if it's sort of just a, a passing attempt by some people to make sure that they don't get sick. They don't want to infect their families when the families are finally allowed there in, what, August, I believe? Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to go smoother than you do. I think we're going to get a full basketball, well, the remainder of a basketball season. I do not think we're going to get the remainder of a baseball season. And I think my guess right now, football gets delayed three months. Wow. Oh, man. If you're football, I mean, think about it. With the potential of the first vaccines coming out late 2020, why wouldn't you just wait for that at that point? I, just because I think Goodell is easily the most cocky of these guys and feels like they can weather that storm, you know? Like, I, I mean... But there's still, weathered... still a fan issue. I Well, I, I I think that... See, that aspect of it, I think that they... That's like their final salvo, basically. Like, they certainly want fans. They're basically saying that that's a major part of how they're envisioning this season. But you got to think that, like... There's, I agree. I don't think there's any way we see fans in the stadiums for at least the beginning of the season. Even though Raj is already saying it's possible. And he's saying that it's going to be up to the individual jurisdictions. Well, he's saying it's possible. And that's fine because he's now passed the buck to the jurisdictions, right? And like, I mean, he's still got his massive TV deals. He's still got the owners behind him. He's still got probably the players behind him too, like from that perspective. And you know, this isn't a, a league with the CBA at risk right now. So I think that I, I think that we will see football. I think three months. I, maybe we delay it a couple weeks, but I would be shocked if they are not playing games pretty much on time, honestly. Like, I, I would be three months is a long, long time for football to be mm-hmm. delayed. And I, I was going to say, too, about the NBA, like, they're – they can't really afford another delay. Um, no. Like, I think at that point you just got to suspend or cancel, cancel the season. Yeah. So, you know, like they've already kicked everything down the road. They're really banking on this thing working out, I feel like. And, um, you know, like I, I do. Yeah, I think that with football, you'll see you'll see it start. I, I would be surprised if we have more than like a 25 percent fan capacity. Maybe it ramps up depending on how things go in terms of a vaccine, in terms of other you know, the way that other sports react. But, um, yeah, I, I just don't – I don't think we'll see anything. Because, look, training camps start in the same – what, the same About week that the weeks. NBA starts. Yeah, yeah. four weeks. So all, all three of those sports are basically getting ramped up. And, and I guess you can throw hockey in there if you want. But they're all going to kind of get rolled up pretty much around the same time. And, mm. um, you know, I think they'll all feed off of each other to a certain extent. And, yeah, I mean – a lot of this could really fall on how like the bubble goes in the NBA. And I, and I want to clarify too, like, I don't know that there's going to be a quote unquote, like widespread, like, Oh my God, now everybody has the virus thing. But I do think that there's a, a decent chance that we have kind of like a steady cadence of yeah. positive tests that will impact that entire season. And I think it's going to cast a cloud over the entire thing, the entire time. I agree with you 100%. And this this mm-hmm. is going to be the Asterix champion for sure. There's totally. no, no question about that. But I don't know. My, I'm And I, I hate to be the pessimist here. I always say I'm, I'm just trying to be a realist. But mm-hmm. I, I think the most likely outcome is we start to get teams reporting for training camp. And I, I want to say it's the 29th. I think it's four, it's exactly four weeks from today. Mm-hmm. But well, we've already canceled the Hall of Fame game. Right? Yeah, so yeah, that's we had, one thing down. Thank yeah. God. And uh, <laughs> what, a, what a shame yeah. that game is. But <laughs> right. my prediction is that at least one team is gonna, you know, a couple of days into training camp, what's it? It's a 90-man preseason roster. You're gonna see mm-hmm. 20 guys have coronavirus. Oof. On a specific team. On a saying? specific team, because you know yeah. that's gonna spread so quickly in that environment when guys are literally running up against each other and breathing on each other on every single play. And once that happens and similar things to lesser extents with other teams, you know, these guys have, these guys have eight, these guys have seven, these guys have 11, whatever. I don't see how you're playing football right then. Yeah, no, I, I, 
I wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me for sure. Um, I just think that because of the amount of players and the way the NFL is like the other, and the other thing is like, sure, you know, you're out two. let's say you're out one week, right? Like depending on when it is, you could easily just miss one game. And it's not like basketball in that way where you can miss like a full series. And so I think that football is a little bit better equipped to weather that specific storm, but you're right. Like, I mean, if an entire defense, you know, like they meet in defensive meeting rooms, yeah. like that, that could be 30 dudes like all at once, you know? And um, yeah. And I, I could see it. I could totally see it. More people, more likelihood, more possibility of spread and, you know, and it could shut down an entire roster. I mean, I think you brought this up a few weeks ago and it seems kind of silly, maybe not silly, but just like sort of impossible at the time. But like the possibility that a team has to forfeit a game, right? Yeah. Like it, it, just because their entire defense or their entire offensive line, whatever the case may be, is all stricken with the virus. It's, it's wild, but it's definitely within the realm. Well, you know, and the other thing that I've said in the past, and I'll continue to harp on until somebody actually listens, uh, not you, <laughs> I but listen, I, I, yeah. I, and I appreciate that, and that warms the cackles <laughs> of my heart. But, but what I'm saying here is, uh, is unlike basketball and baseball, you know, they don't have six two, three hundred and fifty pound guys on their teams. The football players, at least a, a subset of football players, are much more likely to have mm-hmm. serious side effects than You're totally a, right. a super healthy basketball player. Well, and they're pushing themselves constantly. Plus yeah. it's like the ultimate macho sport, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, I think that it's, yeah, I, I, it's definitely a really great point that, you know, these guys have, they're just not meant to be that big and strong right. for, you know, <laughs> for being the same species. And so I, yeah, it's wild. I, I could see that happening for sure. Cool. And I think that that's partially why you saw like a Clemson or a Texas where we had like a huge 37 at Clemson, 37 at Clemson, man. Like that's, that's enormous. That's, that's a huge percentage, any sport anywhere. And, um, and then just sheer raw numbers, of course, that proves the point. I, I think that football players are more susceptible than um, maybe than they're letting people lead on to. I think that's that's absolutely true. And, you know, mm-hmm. there are just there are giants in football and not all of these guys. Think about the like Daniel McCullers and Snacks Harrison and DJ Reader and mm-hmm. Trent Brown, uh, Dontari Poe, people like that. Danny Shelton. You know, mm-hmm. so, some of these guys are in incredible shape. Other guys are just kind of big fat guys, quite frankly. <laughs> Very true. And, yeah. and so the nightmare scenario is I don't, and I don't even want to mention a name in this hypothetical, but one of these guys gets sick, one of these guys is hospitalized, one of these guys might die. I think that that is sports the, are just over. That's the the scary elephant in the room that no one wants to bring up, pun intended, right? Like there's, it's definitely the idea that that yeah that someone that this happens and someone dies and then you're right, everything is over for everyone. Like, Agreed. You know, like the thing about American sports is, I think the world sports sort of revolve around this country for better or for worse, and so it's an American like, attitude, aren't you? Kind of. It is. It is. <laughs> but it's the truth. It's like, yeah. um, like you know, I'm watching. I've got EPL on my screen right now, and um, I could name more than like three guys out on the pitch right now. But like, if if something happens to Aaron Jones or something, like everything shuts down across the world. I think sports wise, like I just don't see a way around it. No, a a player dies. Sports are over until there's a vaccine. It's just that simple. Which could, to your point, could happen sooner, you know, sooner than maybe some think there, you know, the companies are ready to mass produce it, but there are, it's fraught. There are a lot, a lot of considerations before putting a vaccine out there. Right. We're rushing everything. It's even, even if we have the vaccine in December, it's going to be months until we know, you know, with any real degree of certainty, what kind of impact it's actually having, how effective it actually is. Well, yeah. And I mean, so my dad was in the pharmaceutical injury industry for a long time. And as recently as last week, he was talking about the fact that like, well, you know, it may not be that way because, you know, it, you know, you produce antibodies, but then the stuff mm-hmm. came out. 
I'm sure you saw yesterday or the day before in China that were, you know, anti the way that this vaccine, that this pandemic or this virus affects humans is mm-hmm. that it's possible that antibodies aren't permanent. Right. And which is insane to me that they mutate. And, yeah. you know, if that is the case, that obviously impacts what a vaccine does. And in fact, a vaccine does not become a vaccine because it's not able to produce because, anti, you know, the point of it right. is to produce antibodies. In this case, it wouldn't be able to do. Yeah. So. Yeah. Have we seen hard science on the on the actual antibody issue yet? Because I, re- I saw the article you did, too. But it seemed like a lot of it was just like it's now appearing that this might be the case. Right. No, but even that seed of doubt is oh, obviously terrifying. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, right. It's not it has not been proven the other way, but an absence of proof isn't necessarily proof of the other thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's. I think it's just another scary aspect. And, you know, taking a step back, like. Maybe not every single thing we read needs to be like the, the be all end all, obviously, mm-hmm. but that that one uh, just happened to catch my eye. So we'll have to see. Hard not to. And uh, as, as a matter mm-hmm. of fact, I'll be going to get an antibody test on the 17th to see oh. if, uh, if I have tested positive for it prior to this. Mm. I, think I would a, be surprised. I would not be. I would think there's about a 50 50 chance because I don't know if you remember that like three week period when oh, I, I couldn't right. speak the voice. Yeah. Yes. And there's just mo- given your, yeah, there's some other issues too, but I, I don't, it wouldn't surprise me. Let's put it like that, but uh, wow. good to know. And, it, but also like you said, kind of stinks that it might not mean anything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I gotta think it means something, but I do too. I, yeah. That's just seeing that was like a, of course, of course that's the case. Well, yeah, and then you we saw this news yesterday that people that uh, we've identified another potential human pandemic level uh, disease in in Chinese yeah. pigs. Oh my god! So like, why why not? Just why not? I, I would be more surprised if there was still a planet come 2022 <laughs> than the <laughs> the alternative at this point. But it's just it's the world we live in. Um, so look. This segue is not going to be as smooth as I'd hoped for because we haven't talked about this since the first block. But Anshikana, another player who's going to be making less money than Bobby Bonilla this year in terms of his base <laughs> salary, is New England quarterback Cam Newton. Cam, Cam <laughs> that Newton. <one's> worse. <laughs> <laughs> Edited wow. around. Uh, Cam Newton's going to be making a minimum salary this year with the potential to earn up to $7.5 million in incentives. What did you think of the deal? Um, so, you know, we had a little bit of a, a back and forth on this last week. I'm, you know, I just like it's fine. I think it's fine. Like he, he hasn't played in years. And I know I was defending him. I, I just and yes, there are other players that are making way more money. But I I, I also there are quarterbacks. But, mm-hmm. you know, this is a an injury basically waiting to have i mean it's not just an injury prone quarterback it's a guy that has multiple shoulder surgeries on his throwing shoulder yeah who is 31 years old has never been particularly accurate and now you know it's not like you know this is not a kaepernick situation and so i just you know i think that that is being conflated a little bit by guys like richard sherman oh yeah and i i i just think that uh i think it's fine like and candidly like I think Cam has got to be thrilled to be going where he's going because mm-hmm. it's one year. He didn't have to take the Jameis deal. He didn't have to, you know, he's going to have a real good shot at starting there. Whereas I don't know that there's any other team in maybe the Chargers. The Bears had already traded for Foles. Redskins, so, you know, maybe. not there. Maybe Washington. Yeah. I, I mean, but they, you know, obviously drafted. I mean, it's possible, especially with Rivera, but yeah. there aren't many options is the point. And to go there and the chance to, rebuild his stock i think is is an incredible boon to him so yeah take the seven and a half million at 31 you still if it's a good season he's going to be 32 coming off of probably a playoff run if if he's getting a decent contract and then look now you're set for the rest of your life and and, i mean he probably is already yeah i I, think he's okay at this point i think the number is fine is my point i guess 
Yeah, it's interesting, and it, the most patriot thing ever that they very mm-hmm. clearly made this announcement on the same day as they had negative news come out about them to to win the news cycle. Uh, when we learned that the punishments from the sideline filming of last year have come down, they're going to lose a 2021 third round pick, get fined 1.1 million dollars, and the uh, the let's call him what he is, scapegoat, is not allowed to work in the NFL anymore. And he's already mm-hmm. been fired by the Patriots. So it's funny that they make this this move that day. This is a great move from the Patriots. There's just you know, and I've been har- just harping on this to happen for for months mm-hmm. now. It's a great move. You get a absolute no risk former MVP. And th- people say, oh, it's going to be a quarterback competition between he and Jared Stidham. Bullshit, it is. <laughs> Cam Newton's the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots next year as long as his shoulder works. Yeah, that is the big caveat, I think. Um, like you said, I mean, I don't, I truly don't think that they were planning on signing Cam. Like, I'm sure they were basically talking to his agent and just saying, like, just keep us in mind if mm-hmm. you get another offer. Um, but, you know, pretty much everyone else is set up. And, you know, I mean, they were in a great spot to bury this horrible story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, yeah, sure. Why not take the seven and a half million dollar risk on Cam Newton? It's not even Say, seven and a half million dollars. It's a one point one right. million dollar risk. Oh yeah, it's insane. <laughs> but like at worst, it's if you're paying the seven and a half out, you've done. You've got well, a you got right? an MVP like, level player. Right, right. Or I mean, yeah, that's, certainly, that's pretty much like, what it is. I don't know exactly what the incentives are, but I know that you know a lot of them entail starting. So I guess anyway, yeah. It, at worst. And the other part of this, I thought you were going in this direction. Say he's hurt, whatever, that's fine. He is not, like, a bad dude by any no. means. Like, this isn't a guy that's going to be like, why am I not on the field? This is absolutely ridiculous. And it's the Patriots. When has anything anyone's ever said on the Patriots changed kind of, like, what their performance is? When has there ever been, like, a cancer in their locker room? Um, you know, and beyond that, Cam isn't like that anyway. So I think that it's it's just, like, the perfect scenario for all parties involved. No, Cam's his own kind of guy, but it doesn't mean he's a bad guy. He's, totally, exactly. He, he likes attention, but I don't think he's Antonio Brown by any stretch of the imagination. No, God, no, no. He's eccentric, but he's actually, if anything, I think he's a good guy. I think uh, you I think you're right. You see all the stories. Like I'm sure we you saw the story that came out yesterday where it's like, oh, everybody's talking about how terrible a guy he is, how bad he is in the locker room, and. He, you know, he saw that that kid on social media who was dying of whatever, literally mm-hmm. never even got was never told or asked to come, took a charter flight on his day off to go hang out with him. Yeah. Yeah. No. And he did a ton for that community in Carolina, too, as many of the beat writers have said there. I, I think that uh, he if anything, he's a he's a really good dude. And it's I you know, honestly, I think it's kind of a shame that he didn't get a chance somewhere else. But. You know, now he's going to have to be public enemy number one, assuming his shoulder's good. I, I do think that, um, you know, the fact that he took that deal, it scares me a little for him, you know, injury-wise. I think that, take that something, helps. though. Oh, yeah. No, no, no doubt. I don't blame him at all, but I worry about him. I worry that taking that deal was in part because he knows how banged up he is. But what's the alternative? I, I don't think you find yourself in a better position if you're counting no, no. than this, so I, I'm not as I'm not as sure that that it is injury related. I, I do think that the previous injury certainly played a part because, especially with everything going on up until recently, teams couldn't get him into their facility to work him out. So right. they they had no real way of knowing where he was physically coming off of the injuries. But I don't think this is at all indicative. If if anything, I think it's the exact opposite. He didn't sign a contract looking for a long-term deal here. He took a one-year deal so he could hit free agency again next offseason. That tells me that, you know, he at least has confidence in himself. I I mean, I agree. I, again, we don't know what was out there for him. I, I would think that at some point someone was offering him a couple of years. Um, but, you know, yeah, I think that that makes sense. And, you know, what's the worst-case scenario? Say he doesn't get on the field, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's still going to be a deal for him next year somewhere as at worst a backup, a 32-year-old former MVP backup. I think that, you know, he's put himself in a position where hopefully he can still string a few deals together, even if he's not the camable. Yeah, I can't find anything that is laying out the incentives for me. But, yeah, it's 
it's not even 1.1 million dollar base salary. You can't you can't knock this. It's so and, well. and also yeah. think first of all, there is there's no stipulation in the contract that prohibits the Patriots from franchise tagging him next year if he does play, you know, uh, play like the Cam Newton of old. And oh two, if they don't and he plays well, they're going to get a second round comp pick for him. Yeah. Totally. I mean, it's a great move for that. It's just classic Belichick playing chess. And, you know, it was just a perfect, perfect scenario. I mean, there is like a totally non-zero, like a 30% chance he's better than Brady was for them last year. Honestly. Yeah. Like, I mean, and especially when you think of like what they've, there's, there are two sides to every story. And, you know, obviously no Patriots fan really wanted to lose Tom Brady, I'm sure. But like, mm-hmm. Just imagine what those guys can do with a quarterback that runs. I, I mean, it's well, I wouldn't count on him to run scary. too much, but no, I don't either. But the threat is there, and that threat was certainly not there with Brady. So I think it's going to be absolutely fascinating, regardless. And I think it's what well, is probably the number one storyline now going into next year, aside from Brady going to Tampa. Well, Randy Moss says the Patriots' offense is going to be a lot more fun under Cam Newton than it was Tom Brady. So that's something, uh, you know, the one thing I will say that people do kind of forget, and maybe part of this is because of the injury since, but if you go back to that 2018 season where, by the way, he played 14 games. It's not like he only played a couple of games, mm-hmm. played 14 games, was completing six, almost 68% of his passes uh, by far a career high uh, through for 3,395 yards, 24 touchdowns in those 14 games. Like he was playing very, good. very good. Like if that yeah. if that Panthers team was more talented, Cam Newton's putting up MVP ish kind of numbers for that team. The problem is there was nobody on that offense. And that's kind of the thing that I think is most funny and most ironic out of all of this is for years the thing that seemed to hold Cam back was that he just didn't have weapons on offense. And now the Panthers have DJ Moore and they have Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel and all of those guys. And now he's going to a Patriots team that really doesn't have many weapons Robbie on offense. Robbie Anderson, too, I think. Yeah. Is Robbie Anderson in Carolina? Is that where he signed? Could be totally Is wrong. Carolina or Tampa? Definitely not Tampa. Because Brashad. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, let's see where, let's see where Robbie Anderson is. Or is it Perriman? Maybe it's Perriman that went there. One of those two no, guys. No, you're, you're a thousand percent right. I, I apologize. You're a thousand percent right. Robbie Anderson's a Carolina Panther. Plus McCaffrey and, you know. They, That's what they I'm saying. Got yeah. Ian Thomas and, yeah, I mean, that is. They're loaded. And, yeah, they're they're loaded for sure. Teddy Bridgewater's gonna be throwing four yard passes to all these dudes all day. <laughs> sitting there with like Mohamed Sanu and you know, I I mean, yeah, it's it's not a great situation. But he's he's so good and even then, like with the Patriots coaching and like they still have a decent amount of talent and you know, their offensive line will be good. I think it's it could be an absolutely amazing situation for the rest of his career. Yeah, no, this is this is the ideal landing spot and this is potentially the it's it's the best spot to find a potential home for the rest of your career if everything is mm-hmm. right because this is just completely reloading for the Patriots and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with them because you're going to see the units different than they were last year. This, this Patriots team won 12 and 4. They had what was by far the best defense in football, even though it wasn't as good at the end of the season than it was mm-hmm. historically good at the beginning, they give up 275.9 yards a game of offense. 275. Absolutely <laughs> crazy. 180 through the air, 95 uh, through the run. But they are a mid-pack offensive team right behind. Or right best. Well, no, it, it is quite literally mid-pack. They were the 15th. They had the 15th most uh, offensive yards in the NFL last year, at 354 a game, right behind the Philadelphia Eagles, 360.8 a game. Yet another way they're superior to the New England Patriots. But oh my god! So so well. Hey, look, I saw the Super Bowl, and it's all available to all of you. Although there's another there's another Super Bowl with the Eagles and Patriots that I would encourage you not to check out. Uh, <laughs> Uh, or or just watch the first quarter. Older. Just watch older. watch the first quarter and just assume yeah. that it goes that way for the rest of it. But so they're the fifteenth rate. Yeah, I don't believe that's correct, and I think there may, <laughs> may have been some reasons, but we won't get into that. Uh, the the fifteenth rated offense in the NFL last year with Cam Newton under center 
with Belichick, with Josh McDaniels, are they better or worse on offense? I, I mean, again, it just depends on what Cam's health is. If you give me the Cam from the first, what, what you were saying, mm-hmm. you know, the first 14 games of two years ago, I mean, I think they're better. I think that he's better. They added Sanu at the end of the season. Um, you know, they've got, they've got a lot of young talent on that team on their offense. And, um, aside from Julian Edelman, I think that there's, you know, there's the opportunity to go and kill Harry. I, I like that. There are good players on that team. And so I would say, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if better is the right word, but I think by the end of the season, they could be better than the Patriots were at the end of the last season, if that makes sense. Do we agree the defense takes a step back, though? For sure. And I think part of what I was going to mention is like their schedule was laughably easy the first half of last season. And that was part of the product beyond why they, you know, were so good. Um, I I don't I don't see that obviously happening again. And, you know, the division's getting gotten a little bit better. Um, Not a lot, obviously, but the Bills are certainly a team that people think could be competitive. And so, yeah, I mean, I. I, I don't know. I would be shocked if their defense is even close to as good as they were last year, but they've got Belichick. They've got good pieces all over the defense. They're still going to be, uh, you know, they're still like a 10-win team, I think, even with Cam. Well, that was my question. What kind of regression or improvement do we see for the record? Because, you know, prior to this, you talk about the, the division not being that good, but the Bills were the favorites to win the AFC East per a lot of sports books prior to this. I haven't looked to see what the what the Cam Newton signing has done to change that. But I, I can't imagine much as it would be totally speculative at this point. Right. But so you think twelve and four becomes ten and six this year? I think so, but I, like again, I don't think that they're going to be a lot worse, especially at the end of the season. I just think that's a product of the schedule. Like I don't, I I don't think many, if anyone, thought they were going to win the AFC last year. Mm-hmm. And to that mm-hmm. end, I mean, I, I think they're. They're basically the same kind of team heading into the playoffs this year if, if all goes kind of expectedly. But again, if Cam is good, if Cam's even close to what he was as an MVP or the year after, then, you know, all bets are off. They could totally be they could be the favorite, obviously, just because they're coaches and, you know, they still have a lot of talent. All right. Real quick. Last thing we're doing before we get out of here. Give me a win or loss. We're going to go Patriots 2020 schedule. Oh, sweet. Uh, this is with oh, what are we assuming? Cam? Is, this is let's say let's say Cam is eighty five percent of the quarterback we've seen in the past. Eighty percent of the quarterback we've seen in the past. Okay, so he's like a top eighteen ish quarterback in the league. Yeah, he's he's league, he's a league average starting quarterback. Okay. Um, Miami Dolphins. I had to win. Okay. Can you me. give me where it is, dude. That would. Oh, of course. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I guess. Uh, no, know. Dolph- who knows? Who knows where? Who knows if they'll be? Well, that's that's yeah. true, but it's currently a home game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dolphins okay. at home. Okay. Uh, at yeah. Seattle. That's a loss. Raiders at home. We'll call that a win. At Chiefs. We'll call that a loss. Broncos at home. I think that's a win. 49ers at home. I think that's a loss. At Bills. Mm. Call that one a loss. At Jets. Call that a win. Ravens at home. Mm. I'll say loss, but it's a tough one. A at one. at Texans. Oh man, I'm gonna say that's a game that Belichick wins somehow. Okay. Just because he has such superiority over his former coaches. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Cardinals at home. Win, but interesting game for sure. I told you Kyler's my sleeper MVP pick. At Chargers, I like it. I I got to win. At Rams, mm, well, he's McVay's daddy, but uh, <laughs> we'll we'll call it a loss. At Dolphins, win. Bills at home, win. Also, it's a Sunday night game if that helps you in any way. Uh, and oh, uh, and Jets at home, yeah. We'll we'll say win. Well, on Chicana, that's a ten and six season. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that seems right, doesn't it? Like I I don't know, maybe one here and there, but uh, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, again, if they're like really good, there were a lot of those where if they had Brady, I probably would have said win actually. So. Well, I said this to to Greg yesterday when we were doing you're wrong, but Edelman. 
you know, caught 100-ish balls last year. Do you? If I set the number at 75 this year, would you go over or under? Under, for sure. Me, me too. Because yeah. Brady just loved that slot receiver. And for that very same reason, I would be shocked if – okay, let me ask this. Uh, if I were to set the number for Chris Godwin at 108 over or under. Oh, oh man. I would just say under because of how many guys they have, but that that's I take the over. I take the over. How many did he have last year? I don't have. All right, let's find out what Chris Godwin had. I gotta think it was like eighty. It was. It was in. Yeah, I think it was in the eighties. But Tom Brady loves him some slot receiver, and Chris Godwin might be the best one in football right now. Uh, Eighty-six catches last year. Oh, how about that eighty-five guess? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that, yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, that they've just got so much, so many weapons, and they, they're they not going to throw the ball as much as they did with Winston for good reason. Um, but, you know, Brady is so much better. So it's just the classic, like, I, I yeah, I mean, he, but in the By playoffs, the way, God, God real quick, good for seven or eight catches a game. Those 86 were in 14 games. Damn. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> I would I think I, I think he is number two in the NFL in catches this year behind Michael Thomas, who is let's say he catches fifteen balls less than he did last year. So a disappointing season. Oh my god, yeah. Which still zero drops, but well, yeah. Hey, there's a number seventeen in Green Bay that has nobody else next to him that might catch a bunch of balls too. But yeah. Uh Marcus Valdez Scandling. <laughs> Pretty close. That was impressive. Scandling Valdez. Did you? Uh, no, did... no, you had it. Oh, excellent. Did you sign any undrafted free agents who are going to compete for roster spots at receiver? <laughs> uh, there was one, but uh, yeah, they're they're counting on CFL star Reggie Begleton to uh, <laughs> come through. So. Was that the? That was, was that, good. Was that the guy who they were saying he was doing incredible in the virtual uh, in the yep. virtual classrooms, That's which really means nothing whatsoever. I mean, he's not going to even make the team, so, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm predicting it's, it's, 100 everything catches. Everything is good. I'm predicting 100 yeah. catches from Begleton. And I'll get his jersey, because it's an awesome name. But <laughs> uh, cool short of that. All right, well, that's been this week's episode of The Underdog. For Chris Horwardell, who's me, and Anshu Khanna, who's him. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you back here next week. <laughs>